Brian, your lunatic friend, back here again talking about Jesus and music. In 1993, we were still touring the Mercy Project. There were five number one singles on that record, so my next project, Slow Revival, would come two years later. And even then, because of the success of the songs on Mercy, the first single off of Slow Revival was thought to be on Mercy. And no, that's not why the album was called Slow Revival. The, the title was taken from the first song on that record. It was called A Heavenly Light. There's a line in that song that says, I'm in a slow revival from a rude awakening. I was resonating with the story of Saul in the Bible, where he gets a smack down on the road to Damascus, struck down blind, and he would wait three days for a healing. And when his eyes were opened again, he was looking at a whole new perspective. After his conversion, it is believed that he spent the majority of three years in the Arabian desert, getting reacquainted with what he thought he knew in the new light of Christ. And I could relate to him in this situation. I wanted to call my album Rude Awakening. But in hindsight, Slow Revival was a better idea, because that's the only way out. And I would sing in one of the songs that I wrote for this record. We're tearing the walls down in my house. In the verses I sing, I tried to stay sane just maintaining. Keep up an appearance and play the game. It always sounds romantic when people say just be yourself. But I learned over the long haul that that was going to cost you big time. Because especially in Christian circles, you were expected to project an image of a sincere saint. And I was just having a hard time with it. Honestly, I was uncomfortable being called a Christian artist. Christians had expectations about how Christian you were going to be, and unbelievers would pigeonhole you as one of those people. Something of a religious Tupperware salesman. I felt like my songs were being discounted in a bigger world. You might as well have put a warning label on my songs. Be careful, this guy's trying to sell you Jesus. I was missing the credibility that a songwriter had just for singing your songs in the early days of the Jesus movement. But then somebody realized that the best money would be preaching to the choir. But the choir did like my songs, and Slow Revival would have four number one singles on it. I don't remember the order they came in being released to radio, but one of the earlier songs that I had written was called Don't Look Away. In the second verse, I write, I wish I was, I wish that I could be the way you've always wanted. I'll give you my best, and I'll pray for the rest. And the hook is Don't Look Away, See How I've Been Wounded. I was discovering that the choir was full of wounded people too. And here's where I started to realize that I was separating the sacred from the secular in ways that didn't exist. Eventually, everyone gets wounded. And that would lead to the opening lines in Traces of Heaven. I learned a lesson and I learned it well. Life don't get easier in the long run. And later in the song I would write, but there is more to love than truth. Traces of Heaven is acknowledging that love goes beyond the truth that I can see about the circumstances I'm in. It was inspired when I was standing by the Colorado River. I was in the middle of the desert. There was nothing growing around me as far as the eye could see. And I remember looking up river when I saw a small trail of rose petals individually floating downstream and it spoke to me of hope that somewhere beyond me was something more beautiful than I was seeing right now. It was like God was tapping me on the shoulder and I would write, in your faithfulness I can see traces of heaven. And in the next song I would write I know you love me and I know you care. I know you're always there but I am lonely tonight. I wrote this song to fly in the face of the implications that somehow knowing Jesus meant you would never be lonely and you'd never be unhappy. The Bible says that faith is the substance of things not seen, but I also think that it means it's the substance of things not felt, because I do not always feel God's presence. To this moment, I don't remember exactly where I was when I saw those rose petals. I just know that I was in the desert. When I wrote, the sun has set in a misty gray, and all the color has passed away. And then I wrote, I watch the moon as it clears the wall. I had sat in the same place by myself long enough to realize that the moon actually moves through the sky 
guy. It had never crossed my mind before. But what I was really trying to figure out was how I could be a Christian and not feel the presence of God. I wasn't depressed, but I certainly did feel isolated in a way that didn't make sense. It was the truth about where I was at the time, but it wasn't a popular song. Later, I would write another song called Your Love, My Saving Grace. It was inspired by an album by Sting, Ten Sumner's Tales. After hearing the wistfulness of Fields of Gold, you know that song, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, upon the fields of barley. Wow, it sounded good. But on his record, I would find another song that would inspire mine, where he sings, you still know nothing about me. And I would take that rolling bass line and start singing, I asked my daddy while I was still just sitting on his knee. I said, tell me daily, need to know who cares for me. Because I'm hanging around and I'm waiting to see and I'm thinking of you. Through this record, I was not where I wanted to be. I was spending a lot of time alone. I was trying to reconstruct my faith, wondering if everything that my dad had told me about God and his love was really true. And here's where I had remembered something a counselor told me once. After I had unloaded my unmanageable circumstances, he just looks at me and says, Brian, it won't always be like this. I was irritated with that answer, by the way. I remember saying, wow, that's all you got? I was kind of hoping for a magic pill. That's when I realized that there are some things in life that we have to just go through. And I would attempt to encourage myself in a song called Things Are Gonna Change. And in the bridge I sing to myself, don't give up while I've seen some hard things. I never thought that I would ever smile again. Holding on when I feel half-hearted. But I keep my faith without a way to explain it. And that might have led to the line in Wheels of a Good Thing. One of my favorite lyrics, say your prayers and get out the way. It was an upbeat song as I recall, but I wasn't quite there. I would write one more song on this record called United We Stand. The truest part of that song was where I sing, don't give me trouble because I've had my share. We would add one last song that I didn't write. It was something that producer Dan Postum liked. Like me, Dan could hear a lot of the gospel in secular side songs and he brought me a song to sing originally released by Kiki D. The song was called Safe Harbor. I wasn't really crazy about the song. The lyrics and the way it was sung was not at all like something I would do. But I got the implication. The lyrics even read like an old hymn. Tossed upon the ocean, your hand steadied straight my bow. Yeah, lyrically, you can see how I wouldn't have written that. At least not the way it was written. And it kind of forces the hook of the song. Cause you're my safe harbor. And yeah, the sentiment was right. We didn't want to leave this record without a sense that there is a safe place in God's arms where you can go in a time of storm. My life has mostly been about launching out into the deep. Oh, let the shoreline go. So I haven't spent a lot of time in the harbor, but I know where it is in a hurricane. And I'm glad you came to hear my story. Leave a comment if you will. And don't forget to hear the nutshell sermons. They're only two minutes long. Oh, and did I say thanks? Thank you for listening.